Hello and welcome to Read It For The Pictures, the comic book podcast where we read it for the pictures. I am Dave Clark and with me is the king of the court, so if you're looking to shoot hoops, you best know the scoop. Neil Caput. How you doing, Neil? Yo, 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 yo. This week we have Robin Hood number two from Xenoscope, written by Latoya Morgan, illustrated by Daniel Main. We also have Giant Days, number 30, by John Allen. Some interesting picks this week, and yeah, the other one... Actually, the art is by Max Saren. It's just John Allison as the writer and creator of the webcomics universe. It's called the Bobbinsverse, they call it. Yeah. Um, don't, uh, you know more about Giant Days than I do. Uh, you were telling me that it's part of some, yeah, bigger, like, expanded universe with other webcomics. Well, sort of. I mean, it's the so-called Bobbins verse is an umbrella term for the various comics John Allison has done about girls in London, but you don't really need to know any of that to read Giant Days, as opposed to the other comic, which is part of the Xenoscope Grim Fairy Tales universe. But did you understand what was going on? Yeah, we uh, may as well dive into Robin Hood first up, seeing as it's the one that, like, yeah, we picked this one last week and it actually came out on time, unlike our other pick. Robin Hood is... Yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was... My understanding... What were you expecting? My understanding of Xenoscope books is they just did, like, titty comics versions of Grimm's fairy tales, but this is... Like, like, like we just have this issue to go on, but there doesn't seem to be any connection to the Robin Hood story. Yeah. Other than the fact that she's nominally heroic and uses a bow and arrow in some of the art previews, this is a case where I knew as little as you did, and... It's not perhaps owing to the female writer. It's not as gratuitous as you'd expect from Xenoscope. Even the art, I mean, like, they're all attractive women and there is a scene in the shower, but it's a bit less titillating, a bit more outright violent because it's a prison shower brawl. Yeah, this is... Like, this has, seems to have the most in common with, like, the early image stuff. Like, that Bloodstrike issue we read. It's like, still that kind of super dark, posturing, superhero-esque comic that a lot of the other shared universes that aren't Marvel and DC tend to fall into. I guess because since they don't have the billion-dollar franchises of several decades past to back them up, they try to be edgier in this case. It's uh, violence at a female prison that also has a bunch of monsters in it, and where our, the prison uniform appears to be a skin-tight black leotard with like some gold, neon green piping and big silver bracelet. Yeah, there's a fair bit to dig into there. But yeah, it seems the prison costume is like a superhero outfit. Like, yeah, it's like an all-black jumpsuit that's got like green lines over it. It's even got like the, the like six... Uh, dots on the front, like uh, the Kirby Thor costume. I love those dots on the Kirby Thor costume. That has nothing to do with this, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, because yeah. here, it doesn't appear like the costume itself has any thing to do other than the fact that it's 
tight black latex and he shows off the figure because they're already wearing the bracelets that cuff together when the guards push the button they even wear the bracelets in the shower when they don't wear anything else so i guess it's weird i guess the little green dots and stripes are just to give it some detail i mean well that's what well i imagine that like she's wearing a superhero outfit because she it's a superhero book it's yeah it's very odd well we're jumping right into this comic and what we're gleaning from just seeing the pictures is that there's both fantasy monsters and humans with high tech wandering around. They're the guards to this evil prison, which, of course, the prison itself is evil, too, are all wearing these kind of sunglass headpiece things look kind of like the scanners in DBZ. And yeah, they do a bit. Then a guy called the Executioner shows up with a bunch of other guys in menacing hoods because he's the executioner he's wielding a bloodstained axe and apparently has either just killed someone and is covered with blood because of that or i don't know maybe he's all always covered in blood like he doesn't take a bath or wash his clothes because he wants to keep the menacing dried blood effect i imagine he takes it into the shop and gets it applied like it's like painted on he would also appear to have some kind of immunity to bloodborne pathogens probably reading a little deep into this but um yeah I, I guess the best way to sum up this comic is that it's a fairly straightforward superhero thing that occasionally is a reminder that it has to be a titty book and then it, uh, like yeah this is like you got people talking about all serious superhero stuff and are planning this escape and oh, we have secret alliances and then someone goes <clears throat> and then a shower scene starts i i would agree with that assessment i don't think anything about it was particularly bad though and the one thing i noticed immediately is the coloring is incredibly shiny yeah the um the, that was the other thing i was going to bring up it seems the colorist is having a hell of a time with this oh wait no the artwork is all one person oh my bad but yeah there seems to be a lot done with coloring which is kind of different from at least the comics i've been reading well we talked before about how the default coloring for marvel and dc is that super murky brown shading palette so this was actually kind of a pleasant surprise except that doing everything super shiny was what was in in the 90s when they first got computer coloring so it's more owing to that image superhero look minus the belts and pockets yeah although there are a few things that are less like early 90s like there seems to be like they were a heavy use of textures like in terms of coloring or line work uh well the, the distinction is a little bit murky but like at least on the first page there seems to be like ink splatter textures like around in the backgrounds to make it hmm. uh, seem a little true. more lived in um also sure. the texture of the blood on like the bad guy's axe at the end uh that seemed uh, a little like, i don't think you'd see something like that typically in a marvel book again no. i'm not afraid to really dig into the textures here especially in the shower scene with the clouds conveniently covering chests and groins well but there's also this white splatter to show the rushing water around the ambient area which i think works pretty well if you're gonna do a woman's shower fight scene in prison this it you could do a lot worse yeah the um 
That seems actually kind of odd because in most of the pages they do like try to do the clever placement of objects to hide everything that you're not supposed to be seeing. Except in a few places where they don't try at all and it's just like a bright white bloom effect. And there's a bit of that like throughout to try and like get the idea of it being humid, so to speak. But um, yeah, I guess the editors came back and they said there needs to be more covered up here. True. Well, it's it, it's interesting and it brings to mind a scene from this book, We Stand on Guard. Do you, you ever heard of that? Is the, that the Canada va- Invades the US one? Yeah, the one by Brian K. Vaughan Steve Scorse. There is a c- scene early on where the female protagonist is taking a shower and someone comments that for someone who's been living in a war zone most of her life, her skin is incredibly soft and unblemished. And the same thing applied here, except they aren't trying to make a joke about it as if that makes it okay. But like for all these hardened criminals and veterans of various combat zones, they have pretty perfect skin. I mean, there's the tall, muscular woman with the tattoos, and there's the woman who has half a skull for a face for some reason. Oh, I I thought that was like a bandana or or something, but then, no, that turns out to actually be her face. Thing is, it doesn't... I mean, it looks like her nose. Maybe it's like a bandana that's skin tight because her face's overall structure appears to be the same as everyone else's just that there's the skull pattern so i don't know if she's it's a bandana that she has like some kind of obsessive thing over wearing or if it's just her face but the point is that nobody here at least not with the women looks to bear any scars even robin her scar for the glowing eye that i guess is some kind of power is just a clean little line down the face i don't know i'm as far as ranking unrealistic things like the jug if you turn the page over there's like a monster there's monster men walking around i reckon like that's more unrealistic and letting all the prison guards wear superhero costumes i don't know that's well yes there is that stands out more to me than like not having then well having a sexy shower scene as far as unrealistic well i mean yes we accept that as a convention of the genre that there are tights and there are monsters including like the dude with the kind of venus flytrap mouth and giant venom tongue but it's I don't, just yeah. that... I don't know how deep you need to dig into the world building on like something like something like this sexy superhero prison escape book. Like I don't know, you don't need to get the same way you. Don't I want to see scars, damn it! Like yeah, I... because. I can it's... imagine Neil compla- like complaining, it's like, but if she doesn't pay for the pizza, he's going to have to explain it to her boss. That's not a real way to n- remunerate him. Well, I assume he's doing it out of pocket before he plows her. I'm just saying that, like, scars add character, and if it would add a lot if they could show the kind of gray realism that they're paying lip service to, that, of course, all these women look like supermodels. Even the woman with tap the skull face, if, if her face were not either painted or bandanaed or missing, she'd be as pretty as all the others. And I suppose they don't do anything to call attention to how unrealistic it is. It's not like they say she breathes through her skin or the giant breasts are shock absorbers or whatever. Ah, uh, yes. Another, another dollar in the jar. I didn't explicitly 
say where it was from. I'm just saying that it's always a lot worse when people call attention to being pervy and unrealistically so without actually doing anything about it. Yeah, but um, yeah, sort of one of the last points I'd like to bring up on this is there seems to be a lot more like painting and rendering in like the close-up of faces in this than you'd expect. True. The coloring is striking, at least. It's... It's hard to find much else to talk about for this being particularly unique. And even my bitching about the lack of scars isn't... And we all have our things we're into. Yeah, I... Yeah, so it seems that, like, there are... There'll be shots of some of the faces in this that, like, have, like, even, like, rendered reflective shadow on the bottom of the nose in a few places. Mm. And it kind of feels like the book wants to do that for every... Like, for everything, but... Like, time restraints means that it needs to be more of a traditional comic in more places. Like, well, yeah. it reminds me a lot of the art of Jesus Saez when he's doing it all himself, not when he's doing it with the help of a bunch of other guys, like in that Captain America tie-in. And I do think this artist would would enjoy a pretty good career at Marvel or DC. Yeah, there's like there's a there's a lot of good stuff going on here. I but yeah, like some of how do I put this? Like there's this one shot of a guard overlooking like all the prisoners in the yard, and they've gone to the trouble to like have him have like his back is in shadow and it's like a cooler blue against the warm of the rest of the yard. So it really creates a sense of distance, which like is a really interesting trick of lighting that really creates a separation but then at the end when they're crawling down into this tunnel there's like nothing done with lighting even though it would presumably be getting much much darker like there are there are getting much much darker we couldn't really see the bodies well there there are ways to show that it is like it just seems to be the same flat purple as above as above the tunnel and like based on other bits in this comic it, it doesn't seem like doing something with that is above the artist's capabilities it just i don't know like like obvious well if we're going by technical quality alone there i think there was only one panel that stood out as off to me it was on page 17 the at the bottom the big panel at the bottom tier the perspective seems a bit odd because the guards aren't that far away from the characters they've just shackled via the buttons but they look much bigger in the foreground yeah there's a few little there's a few weird perspective things in this but yeah other than that nothing that openly stood out for me i mean there are cases where the art mistakes in comics in general immediately stand out like the break the suspension of disbelief that we're looking into a world that exists as a living, breathing thing and not as someone trying to approximate it to varying degrees of success. Yeah, mostly I just think this feels like, at points, like, restricted by probably time more than anything else. Aren't they all? I mean, not everyone gets to be frank quietly. Yeah, it seems. And also, like, I suppose you could make a case that some of the fully rendered faces are at odds with, like, the ink, like, in some places the inks are carrying tons of the art, which, Mm. like, yeah, there's early on, there's this, like, close-up and it's got, like, like like, the rendered nose and the light shining against like the bridge of the nose but it's also right up against a like a shadow that's like pitch black and done with ink yeah so you're so the faces don't seem to really have the dynamic rendering that 
in terms of lighting. Oh, it's like in more of the cl- like the same where they're chatting like in the bunks. That like those faces are like seem to have the fancy rendering. It's just when it's like juxtaposed up against the thick blacks. It, yeah. Oh, and we should probably point out they have a preview art of the cover of next issue, which is apparently. Robin in costume, which looks kind of like the sexy female Halloween version of Green Arrow. Well, that's what this book is. I suppose. Yeah. I guess, like, if you're going to think It's about- by a different artist. I can't tell who, who the signature says something like Vito Reno. It's not a bad image for what it is with what little she's wearing being torn in key areas without actually showing her being damaged at all yes no scars neil but yeah i guess if you like one last thing about the faces before we move on i guess like fundamentally having thick like thick black ink is so is a stylization and is a thing that's not actually there in reality when you... so do you think you can do complicated color rendering or thick black ink but not both i think I don't, well, both of these things are on a spectrum, but I think they are somewhat at odds with each other. Like, if you're going to have, like, really go in and do really subtle uh, rendering of, like, light falling across a face, or any object for that matter, and then also have, like, really thick blacks to show shadows, I think if you push either of those too much, they sort of push it, they, well, yeah, they start to draw attention to how much this is a constructed reality. True. But there are, there are still a fair chunk of like nice panels in this i don't know what we were really expecting and i don't want to be too hard on this book for being what it is oh, it definitely exceeds expectation it seems there are people doing good work in them titty books and we're not exactly the best people to judge where it falls on the feminism meter since a we're both dudes and b there there is a female writer on this book yeah it, it, Seemed fine to me. Nothing that really stood out until I was actually looking for it. So it's pretty good, I guess. Yeah, I'm not exactly my thing, but certainly don't regret having read it. Yeah, moving on to Giant Days 30. Quite a yes. pace. Why do you pick this one? I mean, I know we don't always have a lot to choose from in terms of interesting stuff to talk about each week. I've, I've heard generally good things about it. And it's up to issue, like, it's an independent book that's up to issue 30, so it must be doing something, right? Well, it did have, like, the built-in audience from John Allison's webcomics, and it it's not Allison doing the art. It's an artist named Max Saren, I believe, and it's art that plays as a pretty big contrast to what we usually do because it is explicitly cartoony and it's not trying at all to be realistic. But I still think it does a good job of conveying characters in this story that, as far as I can tell, doesn't contain any fantastical elements. Yeah, it's um, I liked it a, f- a fair deal, and yeah, well, it seems like it seems to be all the artist really does have a very strong grasp of body language, and they try to get as much out of that as they possibly can. Body language and character fashion. I had no trouble whatsoever telling characters apart. They all have their unique styles. Like we have Escher, the main character of the series. She's a uh, goth, so of course she has like 
ab- straight white, pale skin, and pitch black hair. Yeah, basically looks like a vampire. And there's Daisy, the girl who's been coming out over the course of the series, and her girlfriend. And they're obviously very much contrasted against each other because... Her girlfriend, Ingrid, I believe, has, like, really short hair, hard edges, and blonde with blue tips. And Daisy has, like, big, poofy Hermione Granger hair with a kind of girlish pink bow in it. Yeah, there's solid designs all around. And also there's... They've managed detail on the designs quite well. Like, uh, the girl at the beginning has, like, you know, the huge hair. Um, the main character's wearing somewhat of an elaborate dress for most of it. And it, you could imagine someone wanting to get really stuck into details on, like, the hair and the, you know, the folds and the clothes. But, yeah, it's, re- like, it's really pared down. It's yeah, It seems to be sort of a, like, philosophy for the art of this, for the art in this book. Is it to only show, like, the movement and, like, how something feels? to communicate like just get just enough down to communicate that and yeah let the audience's mind fill in the rest it works pretty well and there are a lot more backgrounds than i would have expected there's step scenes where they just eliminate background just have a gradient effect but it's not a complicated one it's more just like a flat contrast and otherwise we see a lot of detail on like rooms and objects furniture it clothes lying around, computers, windows. It's very good at creating a sense of place for this fictional English town that all of John Allison's stuff takes place in. Yeah, well, some of the shots of rooms have comparatively more detail, but the focus is, like, very obviously on the figures. I th- Like, just flicking through now, it seems that the vast majority of shots are, like, a mid-shot of the characters shot from the waist up, which, like, I mean, yeah, that's probably the best way to frame an image if you're trying to focus on, like, their facial and, like, body expression. But, yeah, there's I don't think there's any wide shots in this. Just flicking through trying to find them. Well, it's all pretty much in the same general area. Area. Even the plot, which involves Susan, the woman with brown hair, and Graham, the guy with the big mustache, who's supposed to be in a relationship with Amelia, the woman who with like short black hair and a bit darker skin than the others. So it does involve infidelity and the character, the female characters who are friends with each other, trying to negotiate it, both. That one is cheat is effectively taking the other's boyfriend, or that they know different things about who's sleeping with who that they aren't sharing with the others. Yeah, we are kind of getting into the middle of an ongoing drama. So, so there is that nice panel where Escher is surrounded by a diagram of who's sleeping with who and who's BFFs with who. And then she, we see her literally caught in a tangled web and screaming, but then it just turns out that she got caught in the drapes. That's a cute gag. Yeah. But yeah, lots of secrets and like uh, hidden arrangements and yes, there's lots and big reveals. Like if you are going to do a book that focuses entirely, that or tries to get as much out of characters' expressions as you can, like the subject matter's there for it. Well, lots usually of- when we think of comics, we think of, or at least we've conditioned to think of superheroes where the drama is around who's fighting who and alliances are constantly shifting like a pro wrestling match. This seems to be the sexual equivalent of that. Yeah. Which 
is not a criticism of it in any way. Like, you need to have drama, and you need to have reasons for the characters to come into conflict with each other. And all these characters are college age, so they aren't particularly good at handling these things. So it's all pretty new to them. Yeah. Um, speaking of this coming from a webcomics background, it um it sort of plays into the structure of the pages. It seems the vast majority of them are six panel grids with one of the backgrounds dropped out for like one of the panels has a background dropped out. And yeah, there's like I'm wondering how much of it is like a deliberate choice to create a sense like a, a sense of grounded mundanity and how much of it is um, just habit from being restricted from by webcomics. Well, what the restrictions of webcomics you mentioned, since I do a webcomic, wirecats.com, thank you very much, it, you do have to make sure that something happens on every page because every page is going to be on a single page of the website so you have to convey at least an idea or an event and where the decompression of typical superhero comics means that oftentimes we'll just get big spreads of scenes and characters standing around without any particular narrative content moving it forward here something happens on every page every page could be read in isolation as a webcomic and work just fine and it's pacing that a lot of people working in print comics could really learn from. Yeah, because it's not necessarily a bad thing, but um, yeah, you can imagine working in a web comic. Like if anyone can click onto the site and see the newest page, you sort of are de incentivized to try crazy layouts. Like when everything's a six panel grid, like both the audience and like the create, like it's established. Sorry. Well, a lot of us don't even have. In mainstream comics, don't even try the elaborate layouts. They're just padding it. Yeah, and yeah, when you're working within this six-panel grid where you're trying to hit an emotional beat every single page, taking time out to do like a wide shot of like a whole room or something a bit more elaborate, yeah, is somewhat of a extravagance that can't always be afforded. Well, we're coming in in the middle of the storyline, so I don't know if they do big establishing shots at all. They don't ne- clearly don't need to here because they can assume we've been reading all this time and we know where everything is. I think they do. A f- I I wouldn't say this is new reader unfriendly. It isn't new reader unfriendly because I did get a pretty good grasp of who was who and their basic personality dynamics. If this were a web comic, I would have incentive to go back and read more because I'd get that initial bit on every page that potential hook that would get a reader to go this looks interesting looks like there's a lot going on here i want to go back and get caught up on this yeah can definitely recommend giant days um and this has been an interesting week i guess we didn't have as much to pick from it's the first week of september yeah um if that's if um and as far as like little things to comment on here they do the vampire teeth when the main character gets angry that's a cool touch of course that sure has the dramatic vampire teeth i'm assuming that's a like a stylization and not something that's actually in the world of the story like she also is on fire in the previous page when she's talking about how she hates daisy's boy girlfriend so much yeah they do stylized effects here 
it is very cartoony and it plays pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I think we can recommend both the comics for this week, but for really different reasons. Well, the recommendation for Giant Days is a bit more sincere. For Robin Hood the Hunt, we were saying, like, oh, it's pretty good at what it does, but what it does is being a fairly standard, small, smaller company shared universe super book. For this, it's uh, independent character drama that's been going on for a long time, but there's a lot to recommend for it in that context. Yeah, this is, well, you know, Giant Days is more pared down and is really hitting its markets what it, at what it's doing, but um, it's, but Robin Hood has, like, an artist who really wants to try new things and, like, experiment with texture effects and, like, is really putting the work into, like, painting the faces. And perhaps it doesn't hit the mark all the time, but it's, yeah, interesting to see someone, like, really trying to push themselves. It is, and I do appreciate that. I did mention the comparison to the early 90s, when they first got computer coloring, except then it seemed like a lot of the shininess was kind of gratuitous. The usual thing that happens in media when they get a new technology and they just have to use it and have to play with it without really thinking about, do I actually need to do this to convey the idea? But that's not an issue with the Robin Hood art. Yeah, I've shown you before some images of like the early mid 90s x-men when they started making everything shine yeah the 90s were an odd time that's putting it mildly but yes speaking of the x-men we've got a bit of an experiment next week yes so recently marvel relaunched astonishing x-men which is just one of the x-men adjective titles they have lying around in this case it's a book with a single writer, Charles Soule, and a different artist every issue, which wasn't well-received given how it followed the fact that David Gabriel, Marvel's publisher, was saying some things about how we don't really have superstar artists anymore and justifying how Secret Empire had like a different artist every issue. Here, there's an attempt to justify it. They say that since the story takes place on the astral plane and it's all like a journey to the center of the mind, they can shift to a different artist every issue. And to their credit, they are like putting effort into getting high-profile artists for this and diversifying with a lot of different styles. So we'll be doing the first three issues of that, which are the first issue is by... Jim Chung. The second issue is by Mike Deodato Jr. And the third issue is by Ed McGinnis. All these guys have been working at Marvel for a long time and are pretty high profile. And that's the first three issues of the most recent Astonishing X-Men series? Yes. Not the Astonishing X-Men series from the 90s. Not the one with Joss Whedon, who's dead to me. It's the most recent 2017 one. The one which has old man logan on it yeah they're still doing that yeah it seems so for those who don't don't know since marvel's movies did the logan movie with a old elderly retiring wolverine who don't longer be wants to be called wolverine the comics are doing the exact same thing even though they don't have the movie rights to the X-Men, they're still going to try to cash in. So our Wolverine is still dead, and they still have a elderly future Wolverine running around who insists that his name is just Logan. 
Yes. Well, Marvel continuity remains somewhat unimpenetrable, but we'll see what we can. We'll we'll see what we can do to decipher that next week. The short version is that he's still basically Wolverine, and he's doing all the Wolverine things, except he has gray hair and he dresses like a hobo instead of a super. Yeah. So that's what you have to look forward to next week. Yeah. And in the meantime, where can people find you online, Neil? I am at the webcomic wirecats.com, W-Y-R-E-C-A-T-S, where I try to make sure something important happens every page because that's what webcomics have to do, and apparently that's not what print comics have to do. Oh, dear. And you can find my stuff at daveclarkart.com, and that's Clark with an E. And until next time, see ya. Bye.